You're listening to Give Your Life Away, a devotional podcast from Canyon Bible Church of Prescott designed to equip you with the truth of God's Word and encourage you in the pursuit of ascribing glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to another day of the Give Your Life Away podcast. As we're going through the New Testament epistles together, we come to Romans 2, 12 through 29. Again, another lengthy section. Uh, I'll read it in just a moment, but just to set it up, uh, you could title this a number of things, God's judgment and the law, practice what you preach. Uh, The whole argument here is, yes, the Jews have the law, the Gentiles don't have the law, but people are really a law to themselves. The Gentiles know what to do. They know right and wrong. It's written on their conscience. And so the question is not whether you have the law or not. The question is, what do you do? Are you just a hearer of the law? You, you moral person that, that, that has the law in their possession? Or are you actually a doer of the law? Do you practice what you preach? So Romans 2, 12 through 29, Paul writes, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus, But if you call yourself a Jew, and rely on the law, and boast in God, and know His will, and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself also? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Again, this is another one of those meaty passages full of so many things that we can spend a lot of time discussing. But you hear Paul's heart to, to, to the person who thinks, I've got the scriptures. I know what's right and wrong. I can teach other people right and wrong. He, he's asking them to pause on their teaching and to think about their own life of doing. Are you practicing what you preach? It doesn't matter that you have the law if you live contrary to it. And again, I don't think the people receiving this, the people he's talking to, would immediately consider themselves as sinful. That's why that hard examination is so important here. 
so many good people, people who, who aren't uh, doing horrible sins today, who, who aren't living highly immoral lifestyles, are tempted to read a passage like this and to, and to simply think that it doesn't pertain to them. This is why we've got to go very slow through this section and really examine ourselves. And how about that verse 24? Wow, what a convicting verse. Paul says this, I'll start in verse 23. You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah here, but, but let that land, man, that, that pierces the heart, that pierces my heart. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of me. You know, even now as I record this in the news, uh, people all throughout a number of different news outlets, media outlets, are so critical of Christians for being so uh, hypocritical in what they, on one hand, will condemn one day or one year, and then the next year or the next day, they will approve of it because it suits their fancy. Now, this is the world looking at us saying, I don't want any part of that God. And I think as Christians, we're tempted to think, well, all Christians are hypocritical. All people are hypocritical. You've just got to deal with that. But that's not what Paul would say here. Paul wouldn't say, tell the world to deal with it. Everybody's sinful. Paul would tell, tell the moralist here, no, you need to rethink your own actions. You need to repent. You need to practice what you preach. And so I want to read a quote to close by William Sprague. And, and the idea here, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is that we often think that revival starts with reaching the lost with the gospel. Revival starts with other people. But really, if you look at revival in the scriptures, and if you look at the revival, revivals in church history, revival starts with believers being brought low and seeing their need, their renewed need for Christ. And that is what the world looks upon, and they see humble Christians, Christians who confess their sin and repent and change and grow. The world sees that, and that lights a fire among the Gentiles. So I want you to listen to this quote. And I know this is a very convicting passages, but, passage, but let this land on you. Christians, you who profess to desire a revival of religion and to make this a commanding subject of your prayers, let me ask whether you have no reason to fear that you may yourselves be standing in the way of the bestowment of the very blessing for which you profess to plead. So, so just to summarize what he's saying. We might pray for revival. Christian, you might pray for revival, but do you realize, have you ever thought that you might be the person standing in the way of the answer to your own prayer? Wow. Spread goes on. The great obstacles to the revival of God's work are no doubt to be sought in the church. And I appeal to each of your consciences, as in the presence of the searcher of the heart, whether the guilt of hindering God's work does not lie at your door. Spread goes on, let it not be told in heaven that God's people on earth are posing obstacles to the salvation of perishing men. In doing this, you parents, you may be keeping your own children out of heaven. Man, that, that quote and this passage lands heavily. And this should make a believer want to go slow and think through all the ways that we do not practice what we preach. My prayer, and I hope that yours today, is to the Lord, Lord, search my heart. Show me where I 
perform better than I am. Show me where I do not practice what I preach. Forgive me for that. Change my heart. And really the prayer could be, Lord, let revival start with me. If you've been encouraged by the Give Your Life Away podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you'll find us online at canyonprescott.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Give Your Life Away. We are alive.